Uh, hello, everyone, and hello to our listeners. Um, we're having another episode of our famous podcast called The Edge. Um, today, I'd like to welcome Mr. Patrick Gillespie on. Um, I've done a little bit of stalking of you, Patrick, on LinkedIn. I see you're very active. Um, so I've done a little bit of research. Um, but just for our listeners, I'll, I'm going to ask you the same questions I ask everyone. Give us a little bit of background and kind of where you started out, what your journey was, and how you kind of ended up where you are today. Yeah, thanks, Jay. Uh, glad to be on today. So hello, all. My name is Patrick Gillespie, as Jay mentioned. I started off back in the old olden days, pre-virtualization, building 2003 physical servers. It was very glad when SysPrep came out. So those that was a great day. Um, so a long time ago for those that are a bit younger. Um, so started off doing that system administration, essentially got into learning Active Directory, you know, DNS, DHCP, all that stuff. And doing that as a college intern learned that i love networking and eventually wanted it wanted to get into networking so ended up joining the army for a little while uh did, did some intel um all source analysis intelligence fun stuff in the army uh oxymoron by the way there's may not be much intel in the army but i i tried it so um the so then when i came back from afghanistan got into got a networking job and you know, learn how to build uh, you know layer two switches, layer three routers, ASA picks, firewalls back in the day. A lot of Cisco stuff. So started getting heavily into Cisco certifications. Started off with CCNA, ended up getting CCMP and the IE written, all that stuff. Didn't never do the lab, but um, ton of other Cisco certs. And then during that time, also went and got my master's in cybersecurity from Boston University. You know. Back then, cyber started kind of becoming a thing. You know, Backtrack Linux was gaining popularity. Uh, started OSCP, didn't didn't take the exam during that during that go round. Um, finished, ended up finished my master's and got a job doing pen testing. So then I went back and got CISSP, OSCP. You know, more security focused roles. Ended up doing pen testing for a few years. Uh, ended up becoming a director of a network security team. You know, learned that I really enjoyed teaching others and helping them grow in their careers. Um, and then, you know, a couple of jobs later, ended up in Canada for a while. And then now I'm in Virginia at GuidePoint Security, helping to manage a network security pen testing team. So that's the short version of where I am today. Wow. So um, John can only spend half an hour on this podcast today. So I'm going to ask you one question and I'm not going to hand the floor over to John. I'm going to really struggle with that, but we'll try. Um but I know you do a lot of stuff, obviously, Boots to Cyber. I can see it on your background. Um, I know you're very passionate about that. Give us a little bit of like background on, on why you started that and, and why you're passionate about it. So Boots to Cyber came about when I kind of transitioned my career from climbing the corporate ladder, you know, eventually trekking down the path of becoming a CISO to finding a mentor. I was like, because I, I didn't know any CISOs. I'm in Arkansas. The companies I work for were out of state, about out of country. So I started meeting with a couple of CISOs. And realized that is not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So what wasn't interested in that. So one of those mentors said, Hey, how about you start mentoring vets? There, there weren't, there were not back then a lot of uh veterans that had cyber technical experience. So I started mentoring vets. So really my career transitioned and really grew from that point on, from you know, it being about me, you know, getting more certs and chasing titles to to helping others grow and break into their career. So as I and when I started, I was a terrible mentor. So this was about two and a half years ago during COVID. I, you know, I wasn't sure what to say or how to help, you know, so it took 10 or 15 mentees for me to actually figure out kind of, you know, how to help, how to people, you know, how to figure out what they want. And because oftentimes people don't know what role in cyber they want. So, so as I, as I started doing that, I realized that, you know, veterans have a hard time getting an interview. So it's not all about just the search or just the degrees, you know, or even some have experience that I've hired that can't get an interview, right? So I decided to start Boost to Cyber. Well, you know, I have now I have 18 years in this field. I've helped lead a lot of people to get into it and upskill throughout their career. So I said, well, I'm just going to work with some other veterans and we're going to create as many careers as possible, right? Whether that's through us training them and then them going on to another you know, bigger, better company that, you know, that supports veterans and, you know, has has more uh, up, you know, upskill that can grow their career. And then also we're a um, we're an MSSP for small businesses. So 
51% of small businesses have zero cyber. It's just, it's too expensive the way it's currently done. So um, a lot of small businesses have no compliance needs. So we can come in and do all of it. You know, their cyber hygiene assessments, risk assessments, we can do their pen testing, their vulnerability scanning, manage their EDR, MDR, and cut out all the extra resources of multiple companies and salespeople and project managers and really make it affordable while veterans are getting the CompTIA training from us, they're also getting real-world experience protecting small businesses. So now, in six to twelve months after they, you know, get that experience, we can then, you know, pass them off to a company as we kind of grow that pipeline, right? So that's so I've partnered with five other vets, um, and we that's that's what we're building at Boost to Cyber. I want to dive in a little bit. You mentioned something that uh, veterans have a hard time getting interviews for roles. Um, in America, we, we, we tend to celebrate our veterans and, and the service that they provide. Uh, my father served in the military. Uh, I have other relatives that, you know, were part of the greatest generation, and you can go back further in American history. Um, and I remember him mustering out. He did 20 years, and uh, he took advantage of the GI Bill, so on and so forth. Uh, those times obviously different uh, than what's going on today, but um, what, what are some of the reasons why veterans have a hard time with the transition as well as, you know, just getting an interview? Well, transition's a very difficult time. So when you leave the military, you lose your job, you have to move your family. Two of the top five highest stressful things in life that a person can go through, you're doing them at the same time. Plus dealing with the veterans affairs, trying to figure all of your medical stuff out, change insurances and, you know, take care of your family. Right. So the highest rate of veteran suicide is three months following separation. So <clears throat> veterans are serving our country. They're not spending a lot of time building up their LinkedIn network. They're not spending time taking people out for breakfast, for coffee, for lunch to to get to know the people to to get the interviews, you know, back. 20 years ago, getting an interview was easy compared to getting the job offer. Nowadays, it's it's backwards. Veterans are doing great things to upskill, try hack me, hack the box. You know, the, the thing, the great things like that TCM security is doing for training, making it affordable and helping helping a lot of vets and first responders. So there's a lot of great resources and and programs out there, ton of nonprofits like Booster Books, Whole Cyber Human Initiative that that help a lot of vets, but the companies so it's and I'm part of the problem. So I am a hiring manager at GuidePoint Security. So if I post an entry level cybersecurity role on LinkedIn, you know, ND is going to pick it up too, but you're going to get a thousand applicants in two days. So how can a veteran set themselves apart when they're competing against the world for a remote entry level position? So oftentimes hiring managers like me will hire people that I know. So you know, in the last two years, I've hired eight vets directly and I've helped several dozens of vets get work. Um, but it's going to take more people that are aware that that's a problem, because once people are aware of it, they're like, oh, crap, I didn't realize that was that hard of a big of a problem for vets. Right. Which increases veteran unemployment, increases, increases veteran suicide, because it's much easier as a hiring manager to hire somebody I know. Right. Or any hiring manager, you know, somebody, you know, in another department, somebody, you know, that's, you know, in college that's good with computers that, you know, that you, somebody you trust. So veterans don't have those connections. So sadly, it's it's who, you know, oftentimes not what you know to, to, to break into cyber. What are some of the methods? I mean, obviously, you know, you don't have the time on the LinkedIn. Um, is there do you foresee government getting involved or is this a more of a private uh, activity kind of like what you what, what you're doing which where you're involved in it's going to take every everybody to really make a difference uh, working together so right now you know yeah, there are private companies yes like boost to cyber um others that are veteran-owned small businesses that do hire vets high high rate but again you know we're talking a handful of people compared to the seven hundred thousand available jobs right that are on CyberSeq or whatever. So um, so to truly make that impact, yes, it's going to take state government leaders in the U.S. and federal to, you know, and they have programs. There's paid apprenticeships, there's paid internships um, that companies like like Boost to Cyber. So we're headquartered in Arkansas. So we're, we're meeting with state politicians, we're meeting with universities, we're meeting with companies because 
there's a ton of training providers that do what we do that can train CompTIA, right? There's not a lot that that provide those jobs. You know, typically an MSSP is not also doing the training. So we're trying to kind of do both. Again, not, you know, we'll keep people as often as we can, but it's really to, to grow them in their careers, you know, pass them on and upskill them. Um, but yeah, we're hoping working with our state legislature legislature and also other states eventually that we can have programs where we are utilizing veterans and the soft skills they provide and they work well under pressure they adapt where they can come work for companies like boost to cyber and protect these small businesses so if a state can you know allow that or have a program. So now you're you're getting, you know, double bang for your buck essentially. Instead of just putting money toward protecting small businesses or just providing a veteran with a job, now you're providing with a, you know, a high quality, high paying career while also protecting, you know, the lifeblood of our nation, which is small business. I mean, uh, so I sorry John, I do have a question. That's okay. I mean, I was going <laughs> to let you talk most of it, but my, I I've got this earth to ask. <laughs> Jumping in. Um <laughs> We, we've done quite a lot of these podcasts and, and I'm quite active on LinkedIn and, and we've certainly spoke to a lot of veterans and I've seen a lot of veterans posting on LinkedIn and, and the ones that I see that have got roles within cyber are, are very successful in those roles. Yes. Now, we also talk quite a lot on this podcast about mental health and the fact that cyber is difficult and it's a good place to be. And when we spoke to Ron Sharon, um, he he basically said that he believes that the Israelis are very good at cyber because they're always aware of potential dangers um, mm -hmm. because they they live in Israel. Um, right. And I'm and I'm wondering if the reason veterans are very successful is if you've come straight out of like college or whatever and you've gone straight into a role where you are having to deal with very tense situations like an attack or you're a SOC analyst or you're having to deal with compromise or incident response and you've not dealt with difficulties in your life. And I am generalizing, so I apologize. Right. I don't think everyone's life's easy. I wonder if veterans that have come back from a war zone like in Afghanistan or somewhere where they've had to go through military training, quite stressful kind of training environments, quite stressful active services. I wonder if that's why they are so much more successful because they've got a strong mindset. And I wonder, certainly that's the way I feel about it. And I don't know if I'm right or not, but as a hiring manager, if you're hiring someone in a really stressful job, you kind of want that person to be able to have proved in a way, I guess, that they can cope with that. And right. no disrespect to anybody else that's new or learning or getting into the industry, but I just wonder what you think. Does 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 going through the kind of training you've had to go through and dealing with real life or death situations make you look at the cyber world as as a bit easier? Because fundamentally, I know it's bad and companies can go bankrupt and all of the things like that, but it's not a real generally. It's not a real life and death situation like you would face on a daily right. basis. So does it? Does that training, do you feel, does it set veterans up better for going into those kind of quite difficult roles? I think that's a part of it. So, you know, it's it's all about, like you said, some people aren't aware of um, stress, right, or pressure. You know, if, you, if you're just in high school, like when I came, when I was just in college, it hadn't been military. Yeah, there things that seemed big back then don't seem as bad now after being in a war zone, right? So, you know, having bad days post-Afghanistan at, at my job, even IT stress, a lot of jobs are stressful now. Even I mean, cyber included, but like IT, you know, 20 years ago, before cl the cloud, you know, not everything was up 24-7. It was business hours, Monday through Friday. We had to keep our phone systems up, you know, eight to five. But then, but now everything has to be up 24-7. So IT, cyber, all of it's stressful. So you you don't know how you're going to respond to pressure until you're put under pressure. And the military has the a great culture of teamwork. So when you're as somebody going through basic training or in a war zone, you know, just getting through the day, you're doing it for the person next to you. It's, you know, it's not always about you. Whereas private civilian culture does not always have that team culture right that team environment where you know 
a vet comes back, even if they if they get into cyber, they might not feel like their team cares about them, that their team, you know, like I've had people in civilian jobs lie about me and just flat out, you know, oh, he did this. And it's like I wasn't even wasn't even there. Right. So you know, there's things like people that are jealous of, I don't know, you know, whatever, you know, other people working harder or or whatever, or afraid, you know, afraid of their own their, losing their own role or something. But, you know, we all have different fears. but. Um, but I think that's a part of it because vets are put in those pressure situations and they know that they can overcome that, right? So having private companies with great cultures and great team culture will will help them, will help really anybody. But I think a lot of times people that get burned out, it's oftentimes the culture, right? Because I, I put everything back on management. It's if, if your employees are burned out, that's a management problem. If you're, you know, if you have high turnover, that's a management problem, right? You need to look at the people that are leading. Oftentimes it's the people, you know, on the ground that get blamed and fired where, you know, I kind of try to reverse that and say, you know, what did you do to help them keep from getting burned out? You know, what did you, you know, have you even asked them how they're doing, right? You know, what's going on in their life? Is there something going on that we could have gave them time off for that would have prevented this, right? So there's a lot of things that, private businesses can do to help alleviate that but veterans have that and again veterans are much a minority in the population so uh, but veterans often succeed just like in being entrepreneurs a lot of veterans are much higher rate of small business success than non-veterans again it's it's all about not quitting you know the ones that make it just you know you keep falling down but you, you just you keep getting back up Right. So I think that has that has a lot to do it. But culture plays a, a huge part in, in that veteran for veterans or not. So, yeah, you're 100 you're percent right on on culture, especially when you're bringing in um, people from the outside, uh, people who may be new to the industry. Um, you, you really need a, a culture that's welcoming, a culture that's mentoring. Uh, and you're 100 percent right. It's 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 about team at the end of the day. Um I'm curious, uh, you know, in your experience, uh, what are the best roles that you've seen for veterans that, you know, had just left the military uh, and are looking for a civilian job uh, as you've been training them up? So uh, I've where, seen success, where have you seen success? Pri primarily in pen testing, because that's where I've been the last six and a half years. Um, that's where I've done a lot of pen testing is fun. You know, a lot of people want to get into that. And then, you know, but being a part of whole cyber human initiative. So that nonprofit, they use the NICE framework and have a hundred hours free training plan for anybody, better or not. But the, the CEO is a, is a retired Navy veteran, Paul Cummings, and he has a program where, where you, the first things you do for the first couple of weeks is you learn all the different roles of cyber based on the NICE framework. So the, the, the roles that a veteran does best in is the one they care about the most, right? So I can... There could be a thousand sock jobs and I bring in somebody that would be great at compliance or doing CMMC pre-assessments, stick them in a sock and they're miserable, right? Whereas all we had to do was take a little bit of foreknowledge and figure out what their interests are because it's not just socks that need to protect businesses. It's not just pen testers. It's not just CISOs, right? It's, it's all of it. It's, it's all, we will not be able to protect our nation, protect our allies, protect our businesses if we don't work together. And, um, you know, coming from manufacturing. So when I did IT infrastructure, I had 11 years in manufacturing, very proprietary, very competitive, all about profit, right? push people through to get as much work as they can. When they leave, you fill them back, fill them with somebody else. And cyber in, in some company cultures, it's turned into that. It's become that manufacturing process where we push out as many services, as many reports as we can until you quit. And then we have somebody else do it right and pay them lower. Um, so again, that goes back to management, goes back to leadership, goes back to culture. Um, so you know, I know that was a long-winded answer, but I hope that answered part of your question. I actually think that's good advice for everybody. Do something you enjoy doing. Yeah. I mean, and we've said this before, John. I, If you are going to do something that's difficult, long hours, any of those cyber jobs are not easy. Right. 
you need to to do something that you want to get up in the morning and do and that's not always possible and i've tried in my life to do that and i know john tried in his life to do that um but you you don't always get that option and and a lot of people want to get into cyber but truly don't know what they're going to be um, good at or what they're going to enjoy right so i think anywhere that people can go to try a few different things and and i've talked about this before on the podcast and and you'll be relatively familiar with it is i grew up in it i grew up with the field of it being very very narrow and you could only do one or two things because that's all there was so right. i've been very lucky that as it's evolved around me i've been able to dip my toe in several waters and go this is what i like this is what i don't like right, right now it's like the cheesecake factory menu it's like 20 pages of and they make absolutely everything and you walk in and i used to hate that restaurant it's like i have no idea what i want to eat here because you literally do everything um so i, I think it's definitely harder because there is so much choice and it's really good for people i mean everyone i think needs to understand the kind of the basics and fundamentals you need to have an idea of what those are before you can really choose right. where where you can kind of dip your toe in the water and do a little bit of investigation right. i think is worth one yeah um, but john hand over to you yeah, to ask one more question before you disappear <laughs> uh i do want to go back on on one item there you mentioned uh you you were brought up your, your original passion was networking uh obviously now you're more on the security side um can you talk to me a little bit about how networking is knowing that knowledge has helped you yeah for sure uh, so you know in your you career know, security as is the is really best securing or preventing attacks or the you know higher risk from attacking attacking networks, whether that's cloud-based, on-prem, whatever. So your your servers, your applications, your people are connected to a device on a network. So whether you're a pen tester or SOC analyst, um, whatever, networking is is kind of the foundation, right? So if you if you don't understand networking, let's take it from a from a mail route perspective. So if a mailman is going to deliver mail, he needs to learn how to read a map, right? He needs to know how traffic, how traffic moves, which direction it goes, you know, what time's best to go in different areas, those sorts of things. The same thing with IT networking. You have to, you know, if you don't understand, if you, so if you, do, if you break into a company, and you have no idea how elevators work or how, um, you know, where the stairs are, you're going to fumble around a lot longer. You're going to waste a lot of time trying to break into the vault, right, or getting to, and getting into the data center. So if you understand how to read a map, as soon as you break into a network, whether it's a bank or company or whatever, university, um, you'll quickly be able to identify those uh, how high value targets, right? It's like reading the blueprint before you go. So, you know, so if you're robbing a bank, you know, if you have the blueprints of the bank, you know exactly what HVAC to go through, exactly what to do, you're going to get in and you're going to get out a lot faster, be more successful. Same thing with pen testing. You know, if you break into a bank, you know, through a network, through social engineering, you know, physically breaking in and plugging into a network jack, you know, you're going to be able to get the data and, you know, get what you want a lot faster. And that will help provide more value to those organizations by showing where their weaknesses are, right? You know, why are there open jacks in the lobby that are hot, right? Plug straight into, you know, an internal switch or why is your wireless wide open and you allow it internal access, right? You know, so these, these, these low hanging fruit becomes, can become a big deal, um because an attacker that understands networking and attackers are smart i mean they they do you know they do trainings and they're they're ahead of our laws they're ahead of you know often students because oftentimes security is a reaction especially antivirus solutions are a reaction to new malware to new ransomware you know strings all of that so um so networking plays for me that has helped my career tremendously understanding how you know when you send an email, like how how that goes through each port, you know, how the web server is listening on the port, whether you're doing it from a browser or from an email client, you know, because the more you understand how something is built, the better you can understand where the weaknesses are and and to help help reinforce those weaknesses.
Sorry if I get long-winded, guys. No, John's used to me talking, so he's used <laughs> to that. Um, I'll let John go now. John, thank you for joining us. Um, Patrick, I just want to pivot back a little bit to the the whole kind of mentoring thing. So mm-hmm. I've been in, in my career now, I guess, 25, 30 years. And for a number of those kind of initial years and over, over the time I've worked, I've worked for some pretty good leaders. And I don't like to call them managers because to me, a manager is very different than a leader. Um, but I worked for some people that without necessarily knowing it, they were my mentors. I only figured that out in, in later years when I know what a mentor did. Um, but I had, a, I had a person in my kind of first job that really helped me and, and, and pushed me and guided me. And then over the years, I've had some really, really good people. And that kind of made me think that I wanted to give back as well. Right. Um, because I struggled. I came out of university. I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't even know what I was doing when I went to university. I, I purely went because I didn't want to get a job because I didn't know what I wanted to do. Right. Then I went and got a degree, came out of my degree, got my first ever job playing games. Um <laughs> For, for a job which was really never going to go anywhere um and the person i worked for encouraged me to learn networking mm. how to how to get the games connected so we could play on the network but i had to learn ipx tcp ip all of those things and i didn't i didn't know that's what he was doing at the time but he was really setting me up for my kind of next career um what is it that kind of led you to wanting to be a mentor was it something similar and and what is it you enjoy about yeah. kind of doing that role? So mentoring, same thing like what you went through. So when I started in 2005, um, I had people that helped me, right? So which, which helped me learn what they did on the networking side. So actually the guy that I learned from during my first two years, the most, he had a bachelor's degree in music. So one day I asked him, I was like, why would you switch from music to IT? You know, he's like, he said he liked to eat. So I was like, that's pretty good, pretty good motivation <laughs> there. So, so he was a true mentor. And, and again, I didn't really, I never used the word mentor. I never even, you know, it wasn't really a thought just, he was, I mean, a friend, he was a friend. He wasn't my direct boss, but he, he helped guide me. He's, you know, Hey, he let me watch him it's like, Hey, we're about to install mom, Microsoft, you know, operations manager back forever ago before SCCM and the SCOM days. Uh, so he let me watch him and then learn, you know, how DNS worked, right? Because before this job, I didn't know what an IP address was, right? So learning what an IP address was to learning how you translate names to IPs with DNS and hand out IPs using DHCP. So he walked me through those things and that made way more sense than me Googling or reading a book, right? So, yeah, so he, so I've had several mentors over the years that have helped me. Um, and especially even when, you know, I was working for, like like you said, like a manager, right? Somebody that just pushed as much work as possible instead of leading and guiding. So what I've liked about mentoring is really seeing, you know, how really helping people get jobs is, is the best part of it. You know, getting that email from Veterati saying, Hey, your mentee, you know, got a job, right. You know, your, your mentee's got this job that they've been interviewing for or, or been applying for, for a while, so on and so forth. Or, or I help get a, a veteran on at guide point security, you know, guide point has a great culture, you know, hire, we have over a hundred vets that work here. Um, just a, just a great environment for, for teamwork and, and growth. And, and we're growing like crazy. Um, so for me, that's, you know, that's the part I like um, because I still have mentors as, a, you know, I've mentored a hundred plus people, 80 something on better Roddy, but tons of other ones I've met with through the nonprofits that, you know, some will come, you know, meet with me once and then I never hear from them again. Right. So I don't know if I helped them. I don't know if, you know, if I gave them too much information, you know, there's a lot of free resources now for vets and sometimes it can be resource overload, right? You know, where do you start? So that's where mentees can do your mentor a favor. So Jay, if you were my mentor and I came to you and said, I want to get into cyber and you're like, well, what are your interests? Like, I don't know. I was like, you know, I have no idea. So I was like, so how it's going to take you a lot of time to figure out what I like. Right. Because so if, if like, that's where whole cyber steps in. So if you go through whole cyber and then now I come to you, Jay, and say, Hey, I want to, I want to get into DevSecOps, or I want to get into pen testing. Okay. You're like, okay. 
like for me, if, if you came to me, Jay, and said, hey, I want to do DevSecOps, I was like, I've heard the word. I have no development experience, but I can put you in touch with someone that's doing that, right? So yeah. to be a mentor, you know, a lot of people are afraid to do that because they're afraid they don't have all the answers. Well, you're not going to have all the answers. It's okay to say, I don't have a clue what that entails, but let's go find somebody that does. You put them in touch with LinkedIn and then, you know, so on and so forth. And then they get a job or they figure out that they either want to do that or don't want to do that. So same thing as being a pen tester. So if I told you, Jay, I wanted to be a pen tester, you're like, OK, I've, I've, I've done that. So here's what the day's like. Here's how much reporting you have to do. Right. So, you know, saying the good and the bad, that way they truly understand, is that something they want to put a lot of time and effort and money into to doing, right? Because uh, the worst thing is, you know, you go do a job that everybody says is fun and you hate it. So, you know, if, if you can narrow it down to two or three areas, then create those steps to get there because the majority of jobs are not posted online. 85% of jobs are filled by social networking people relationships yep. only 70 percent or 70 percent don't even get posted online so 30 percent of all jobs still a lot of jobs so usually a veteran will ask for help and reach out to a mentor somebody like me after they've applied for 100 jobs on linkedin and has have not got one phone call they've gone through resume help they've gone through social networking help they've done a lot of free resources and they've done a ton of skills training they're top one percent on try hack me they're you know, they're a veteran. They some have degrees, some don't. Some have security plus network plus, but they're not getting an interview. So if they can meet a hiring manager through a mentoring platform that hires veterans and trains them, that's why, you know, I've, like I said, I've hired eight, but I'm limited by my by my company. Right. I don't own the company. So so hence boost to cyber. So hopefully we'll be able to create more jobs. But, but yeah, the more specific you can get um, will we'll help mentors a lot. I, I we we see a lot on LinkedIn, and I certainly see a lot of posts and talking about the skills gap. Mm -hmm. So, funnily enough, obviously we've been doing this podcast for a while. Um, there's a lot of people out there trying to help people find work, like yourself. Right. There's people out there that are mentoring and coaching and helping and pointing people in the right directions and all that kind of stuff. But you still see in the media that there are hundreds of thousands of jobs just in the U.S. waiting to be filled, right. and I certainly see entry-level jobs and i don't think this is necessarily a new thing but i've seen entry-level jobs that require five years experience in this or yeah. seven years experience in this or 10 years experience in this so well that's not an entry-level job right now i personally think that even hiring managers not all of them but some hiring managers in some companies don't even know what they want cyber is right. relatively new it grew out of it right. it grew out of it security and it became cyber and a lot of companies want all of those cyber jobs in one single person because maybe the budget's not there or maybe they don't understand that a SOC analyst isn't a pen tester and that's not your CISO. Right. I saw a job advertised recently in the UK that was like five jobs in one job. Right. Um, I, so do you think there's actually a skills gap in the market or do you think there's just a an unknown because cyber is new and people don't understand what they they need there's a there's a bit of both or a lot of both um so starting with the the companies posting entry-level work that kind of goes back to the networking they a lot of hiring managers want you to have this it background or veterans have an it background and then take a pay cut to do entry-level cyber and then work back up you know that's it's backwards right so you know it's but again so you know, hiring people with a degree, you know, without experience or without certs, you know, that that was kind of the thing 10, 15 years ago, you know, in IT. And then because there wasn't a ton of IT people in the 90s and early 2000s. Yeah. So you kind of hired who whoever wanted to do the job. But now it's kind of an, a lot of people wanting to get into IT and cyber. And there's that misconception of, you know, do they need all these years of experience? So if I'm doing a vulnerability assessment or even a pen test on a network and I find that, you know, half their Cisco routers are, um, you know, have IKE vulnerabilities because they've been updated in five years. Do I need to know how to fix the router to find the issues? Right. You're going to the person finding the issues is not going to be the one reconfiguring the router. So, you know, you're not 
you're going to learn most of it on the job. So I have a master's degree, bachelor's degree in this stuff, ton of certs, been doing it 18 years. And, you know, the last two years I've had, I've worked at three different companies. And during the interview, they do want, they kind of want you to know everything, right? They want you to answer all the questions, set yourself apart. And then day one, often hiring managers and companies, they could care less what you did in the past at that point, right? So if you're going to, you know, not care about people's experiences on day one, then stop making the hiring process so hard, right? Start thinking long-term because right now businesses poach talent. Cyber jobs, pay rates went crazy high during COVID. Just companies kept poaching from each other and demand was high and, you know, uh, quantity was low. Um, so, you know, you really got to think long-term on, you know, growing talent and those sort of things. And, and kind of going back to our question earlier about veterans, you know, a lot of veterans understand that, you know, even like special operations or, um, you know, those, um, you know, higher stressful jobs in the military, even with all those years of training, when they come to a new team, they have to earn their trust and respect of their new team. So like I started GuidePoint last March. At that point, I had 17 years, a master's degree, all the certs, and I had to learn how GuidePoint does it. I had to learn how my team interacts with each other. I had to build their trust and build their respect. So people still have to do that even with experience. So because the worst thing is, you know, you don't want somebody coming in there day one telling you everything you need to change, everything you need to fix, right? Um, So I get that aspect of it. But for for these entry-level positions, you know, yes, it's easier for a hiring manager because they don't have to put a lot of money and effort into training somebody. It it might be cheaper initially, but in the long run, if you train somebody and grow them and give them raises along the way instead of poaching somebody and paying them higher, you know, that's where you build trust and respect and loyalty with, with your people. So um, again, sorry for the long answer. No, I, I mean, I, I agree with that. I mean, I've hired people throughout my career. I, I ran a support desk for a while. I ran a network team. I run a virtualization team. And as you said, in, in the kind of late nineties, early two thousands, it was becoming a new thing. There was money in it. People were interested in it. I would quite happily hire people without certifications, without a degree. It was for me, it was about personality and work ethic. Certainly if I was hiring them as a a first line kind of support person, I was happy to teach them the basics. I was happy for the team to teach them the basics. And in some instances, I would rather be able to mold those people to the culture within the company that we have versus trying to undo five or 10 years of kind of, experience i mean i i learned to drive a car way before i took my driving test and the first thing my driving instructor said to me when i got in the car was i have to undo all the damage that you've done by not being taught correctly right so i was taught by by my dad who who was a driver but i mean he taught me after driving for 40 years so he didn't teach me how to pass the test right um so for me I've I've taken lots of certifications over over my life. I mean, for me, I love doing it. I love learning. I love picking up a, 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 a an article, a magazine. I love setting up a lab. I love all that study. And I did Microsoft. I did VMware. I did the Cisco stuff. For me, because I wanted, I, I like a challenge. I like the feel of passing something. Uh, and if my team that worked for me at the time ever wanted to go out and do that. I was fine with that. And if they didn't, I was fine with that. I did used to say to people, if you ever get to interviewing for a job and you're being compared against someone that's got 20 certs, you may not get the interview, even though you may be better. Um, But it's not everything. For me, if I was hiring today, it will be, do you know the basics of IT? Because I think everybody kind of needs to. Um, And then do you have the right mentality, the right work ethic? And that that would be it. I mean, I would usually know within three or four minutes of meeting someone if they would fit in within the team. Because for me, it was about the, the team as well. I mean, I've interviewed some absolutely brilliant people that I'm like, I just don't think you'd fit in. And and you, you can't just hire them because they're brilliant. Right. Um, okay, so the, the clock's ticking because we both like talking. Um, 
So I'm going to ask you one more kind of question before before we get onto some kind of fun stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that last question is really going to be about advice to people trying to break in. Obviously, you you, you mentor, you help people, you coach people, you're working with veterans. Um, but what would be the kind of most the, the single most important bit of advice that you could give someone if they were trying to break into to cyber today? Yeah, ask for help as early on as possible. Meet people, even if you're active duty military, start meeting people as much as possible. I know you're kind of limited there, um, but even those not in the military, um, just find people on LinkedIn, start with LinkedIn, or find people in your local community that you have something that connects you. So if you're not military, you know, find somebody on LinkedIn that maybe works in your area or went to the same college and ask them to buy them coffee, buy them breakfast or lunch, right? Just build up the relationship, ask them what they like about the company, what they, you know, kind of a, you know, interview them, right? Because you don't want to go. So really hitting your end goal is not about just doing what you want, but being in a place you love. So if, if you're miserable there and you don't fit into the culture, you're going to, you're, you're not going to stay long-term. It's just, you know, you're just going to be miserable, right? So there's, um, so, so really interviewing and finding out how other companies do different things um, because you can, you know, you're going to learn the tech stuff on the job, you know, but like you said, the, the showing up, the working hard, the, the, you know, the, being driven to to excel you know those certain those certain things is just don't do it alone you know because again you can go do all those technical things and have the 20 certs and have the degrees but if you can't get an interview you're not going to ever get a job offer right so so really connecting with people that have similarities or is usually from what i've seen that the quickest way to to getting an interview and then eventually getting getting the job offer yeah, I mean, I honestly think LinkedIn is a great platform. Um, I mean, when I was first looking for my first job, and no doubt when you were first looking for work, it didn't exist. Yeah. I mean, I would have to go in physically, go to companies, knock on the door, yeah. sit in reception, see if I could meet people. I would go to free events in my area that that were for job opportunities, and I would try and make friends with people because we we said it earlier on on this podcast that. A lot of jobs now are directly through friends, relationships, the network. And I've hired in my career the same people two or three times quite often than not because I know them. I trust them. I know what they're capable of. They know what I'm capable of because you need to interview the company and the people that you are applying for as well. They're interviewing you. Yeah. Like you've just said. The culture needs to fit you. The manager needs to be someone that you can work with that's going to help you. And certainly if you're starting off early in your career, then you really need someone that's going to help you get to your end goal. I don't think it necessarily matters if it's like the last job you're doing before you intend to retire. But if it's your first job, you really need to be surrounded by people that are going to encourage you to grow and learn and get better. Um, but LinkedIn is is a perfect place to to reach out, to make friends, to make relationships, to be active. And I think you need to be careful not to be negative on LinkedIn. You do sometimes get a little bit of negativity and people say some kind of stuff, I think, out of frustration. But equally, if you've you've applied for 100 plus jobs and you don't get a single response, there's a problem in the hiring process. You should – I got all the way through. So about 10 years ago, I was looking at changing careers – and I got all the way through to the kind of final stages after like eight different interviews going on site. It was in a different contract to fly there. I flew there a couple of times. And then it just went quiet on me, literally stopped communicating. And I never, ever, ever got any feedback on to why yeah. I never made it to the next stage. Yes. And that's, that's Sorry. awful. Yeah, that's terrible. Yeah. You, you, the, the, the problem that I foresee is, if somebody interviews with me, maybe if they never get as far as an interview, they're not. Then maybe I don't know. I can't respond. But if anyone ever got to an interview process with me, I would always give them feedback. And if they wanted to come and meet about why they didn't get the role, yeah. I would help them. I would sit down with them. I would talk to them because I may not have a job that suits them right now, but I may over the next two, three, five, ten years, right. and they may not be quite ready. But if I help them to be ready and then I have another role and at the last company I worked at, um, I interviewed a bunch of people. 
One of them wasn't quite ready. I sat down and I coached him and I mentored him and I encouraged him. And now he's in the role. It took about 18 months. Yeah, it takes a while. But it's like, well, you need to help people. Uh, but um, they, have but to, people, people, they have to help themselves too. You know, if, if they're not doing what the mentor yeah. suggests and they keep coming, spending time and they're not doing anything, you know, that's that's not going to help them either. So, yeah. And I think that goes back to the work ethic, right? right. I mean, I receive quite a lot of outreach on, on LinkedIn from people that are like, can you give me a job? Can you give me a job? Right. And I quite often, as, as much as I can, I respond and say, look, what job is it you're after? Right. Can you give me a bit more background? But I've literally had one sentence. <laughs> Could you give me a job, please? Not even yeah. a hello, I'm this. Can you look at my profile? Did it? literally here's my cv or resume give me a job right. and it's like and and all you've done is fire that out to 100 people no effort and yeah you, you need to to kind of make friends make relationships make it a bit easier for people to hire you right. for sure um, okay so so let's pivot on to some kind of fun questions right. what, what what one of I mean, I love food. If you've ah. listened to any of the other podcasts, you love food. I really don't like um, pineapple on pizza, by the way. We've talked about that before. Um, what has been the best meal that you've ever eaten and why? And it doesn't have to necessarily be because of the food. It can be because you were with friends or family or doing something. Just what was it? Well, I was the fat kid growing up, so I do I do like food. Now I'm just the fat guy, so no, it's cool. Uh, so I lived with my grandparents in college. So grandma would make, I don't know, three or four times a week, you know, white beans and cornbread, you know, or ham and beans and cornbread, like just always like that, you know, just more of the home. So I'm in the South in Arkansas. I don't know if you can tell by my accent, but, you know, a lot of fried foods and sweet tea. So, you know, I love going out to eat. But it's typically I want more quality than quantity, I guess, or have in the past. So we don't go eat very much just because I just like home cooked meals. So that's part of my yeah. favorite meal, though, is just, you know, beans and cornbread. See, that's I've never been down in the South, so I'll have to come. Yeah, let, I mean, I've been to the U.S. a lot, but yeah, come, um, come down. Yeah, you'll you'll you know, you'll gain 10, 15 pounds pretty quick. So <laughs> <laughs> I love my food. Um Another question, if you could go anywhere in the world for like vacation holiday, where would it be and why? Probably Ireland. Um, my name's Gillette. My whole name's Irish, but my roots from multiple paths that I've traced back in my lineage is, is comes from Irish, Ireland or Scott, Scott Irish uh, ancestry. Yeah, I was going to say I, the, the, the name's very much Irish. Yeah, so sure. I, I was going to ask you about that, but you kind of answered it. And then, OK, so I guess one final question um what's your favorite film and why uh, that will that's that is a tough one uh, i like military movies and action movies um and i like comedy movies so um like probably one of my all-time favorite military of just the patriot was really good with mel gibson um yeah. 12 strong was good it wasn't as well known for, from afghanistan and then but for comedy recently you know bullet train was pretty funny you know action movie and yeah. then like movies like inglorious bastards i just like the it had the military and the comedy all kind of put in together so didn't really have a favorite film but i i like a lot of the the military especially the ones that are based off of uh you know previous previous wars. Yeah. so what did you think of the maverick film then top gun film actually i was not a top gun fan on after the yeah. first one so you know growing up in the 80s and 90s you know top gun was a big thing and you know but but I went and saw it in the theater and actually I was impressed, which I had low expectations. So we yeah. set the bar low. It's hard to be disappointed, but I ended up, you know, going with the mustache. I had the rooster stash for a while after, after <laughs> the new Top Gun, which my wife did not care for. So. No, I thought it was very well done. I mean, I was, a, I was a huge Top Gun fan and yeah. I used to, when I played games that I used to play under the name Top Gun oh, or nice. Mavericks. I still have Top um, Gun on my original Nintendo from, from the late eighties. So I still have the oh, wow. stick, top gun, all that. I still can't land that plane, but you know, I, we still have the game. It still works. So, okay. One final question then. What's your favorite computer game? Uh, honestly, building a business and working full time. I haven't actually played an online computer game in a long time, but back in, in college days was probably battlefield two. My, other intern yeah. college buddies we played that and we played unreal tournament a lot so again, we're, we're talking yeah. old school but yeah so i i have a lot of friends and co-workers that love doing that i just you know 
I just don't have time in the day for that. Plus three kids. So got to, you know, keep the wife and yeah. three kids happy too. So I, I haven't played for many, many years because once I start playing, I can't stop until I found every secret in every room and, and, it, and it keeps me up at night. And, but I, w when I was at university, Quake came out. So Doom and Quake wow. came out. And that's how I ended up getting my first ever job was playing Quake. Nice. And my mum convinced me I'd never make any money out of playing games. Um, I'm still not sure I've fully forgiven her for that <laughs> because I went on and, and did the career that I'm doing now. And then some of the people that I used to play with went on to become like millionaires from playing yeah. Half-Life and Unreal and stuff. The game industry um, is huge. It's crazy. But I, I'd really like to thank you for coming on. Thank you. I've got a lot of respect for what you're doing for veterans and what you're doing in general. Um, it, it's great. I mean, it's a real struggle, I think. Um, and the the guy that I used to work with recently that was our head of security had come out of the Army and, 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 and the U, U, um, UK Army. And I know how difficult it can be. So I've got absolute respect for what you're doing. And I can't thank you enough for coming on. Uh, it's been great to talk to you. Appreciate your um, time, Jay. Yeah, and John, too. I mean, yeah. John had to leave. But yeah, I really appreciate it. It's been, been, a, been a great morning for me. So I appreciate it, Jay. So thank you very much. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this discussion, please give The Edge a like and a follow on your favorite podcast service. And also connect with the SSC Forum on LinkedIn. Get all the latest updates and news on the phenom known as the Security Service Edge.